today. Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so not only am I going to be preaching to you, Jesus is going to be preaching to us. And uh, I, I want to make some disclaimers at the beginning. If you've been around our church very long, I don't talk about finances very often. Usually maybe once a year or maybe twice a year do I focus in on finances. And uh, this happens to be that day. And I don't know why it was this day. I actually wanted to do this about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. But everything just kept getting pushed. And so I don't know why this is for today. But I declared a couple of weeks ago, I believe under the hand of God, that February was going to be a month of freedom. And I believe that. And so this message today is really not about dollars and cents. It's about freedom. And uh, I want to share with you this, this concept about freedom. And my disclaimer is this. If you feel a little pressure today, if you feel your toes stepped on a little bit, I want you to know that I have no idea whether you give or you don't give. Uh, unless you're a leader. If you're a leader, if you're one of our covenant leaders, you signed uh, a covenant with us to be a part of the leadership of this church. I know whether or not you're giving and that's about it. I don't know what you give or how often you give. I, I just have asked Taryn. Taryn's not here. She's in Mexico. Randy and them are down uh, there for until this week. And she's the only one in this church that knows who gives and who doesn't give. So if you're feeling pressure today, it's not because I know anything. It's because God knows something and he's trying to get your attention. And, uh, and, and, I, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a pastor that's afraid of talking about money because I understand that Jesus talked about money and things more than he talked about grace and mercy. And so money is important to God. Finance is important to God. Now, if I asked across this place how many would just want to be financially free, I bet you just about everybody would say, yeah, I just I want to be financially free. And in the back of our mind... The answer to that was, I want to be wealthy. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about bills, and I don't want to have to worry about this and this and this and this. I want to have enough money so that I don't have to worry about those kinds of things. But here's the problem. I announced or I declared a couple of weeks ago that February would be a month of freedom, but I haven't yet declared what freedom really means. And part of the problem of us living in freedom is because we don't understand what freedom really is. Freedom is not casting everything off. That's anarchy. Freedom is not doing what you want to do. Now, can I just tell you, especially here in America, we have so distorted the concept of freedom that we don't even recognize really what freedom really is. How many have ever heard of the statement, the freedom of speech? Right, And in today's society, it means that you can say whatever you want, no matter what. That's free speech. That's not free. That's chaos. The best definition of freedom that I have ever heard of and that I, I have become to live my life by was given to me by my, my mentor, David Norris. And he said it this way. Freedom is knowing right from wrong and having the ability to do right. 
That's freedom. Knowing right from wrong and having the ability to do right. So if I am bound up by anger and God frees me from anger, he's not taking the anger away. He is giving me the ability to choose properly. If I am addicted to something, if I'm addicted to a chemical, he's not removing the chemical necessarily from us. He is removing or he is giving us the ability to make right decisions based on right and wrong. And so when I say, does somebody want financial freedom? I'm not saying let's make each other wealthy. What I am saying is to know right from wrong and having the ability to do that which is right. We worship freely in America because of freedom. Not because we're able to just do whatever we want to do, but because somewhere along the line, somebody said it is right and wrong to worship or not worship. But more importantly than that, because it is a right thing to do, we've got to make the opportunity to do that which is right. There's a lot of countries, if you go to China today, people will tell you to worship God is the right thing to do. But in that country, they have not been given the ability to do so. So they're not free. So that's why the underground church in China is massive in the millions and millions of underground Christians in China. And so today I want to speak to somebody to give you financial freedom. Because financial freedom is not based upon what's in your bank account. Financial freedom is based on what's between your ears and in your heart. So reading from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse number 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. If you've actually got a Bible and you're taking, you need to mark that scripture. That scripture is financial freedom. Where your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart will also be. Can I tell you that part of the reason why some people aren't sold out to their walk with God is because they haven't put their treasures there yet. If they would put their treasures into that, their heart would generally follow. Can I tell you why churches, some churches are struggling? It's because the people haven't placed the treasure in the appropriate position. And where the treasure is, so if I put my treasure in sports, let me, let me, just, let me just be real open and honest. What is the number one professional sport in the world, really, when it comes to finance? Anybody? Football, NFL billion dollar enterprise do you want to know what made them the biggest one it wasn't regional teams because I'm a Vikings fan God bless me and Renee's husband's not here today and he's a Packers fan 
and it's one of his shortcomings. And if he was here, he'd agree. No, I'm just kidding. Packers fan. But you want to know what has happened over the last several years that has exploded the revenues for the National Football League? It's this. There are Vikings fans that have drafted Packers like Aaron Rodgers into their fantasy team where they are placing money. They have put money in the gambling aspect of football and where I, as a Viking fan, I want Aaron Rodgers to lose at everything. But there are people that have placed their treasures in this thing called fantasy league or betting league and so they are, they want the Packers to lose but they want Aaron Rodgers to win. And so, and so all of a sudden, those die-hard Vikings fans are cheering for Aaron Rodgers to do something great on the field. Why? Because they like the Packers? No, because they've got money in the system. And the NFL has ballooned and blossomed financially. What would happen if you and I, I know it's a crude analogy, but what would happen if you and I took the same mindset and said, if I would just put my money where I want my heart to go and not put my heart where the money's, where, what would happen if I would say, God, I want more of you, so I'm going to invest in more of you. What would begin to happen? All of a sudden, you would begin to care more about this. You would care more about what you're doing for God. You would care because you've got an investment in it. And I'll just tell you, it doesn't originate with us. The reason why God wants to bless you is because he has invested in you. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. It's interesting that he drops this verse right here. He's talking about desires. He's talking about finance and treasures. He's talking about how to operate and become financially free. And he says, well, if you have just a little bit of darkness and you think that that's light, how deep does the darkness go? Well, pastor, I, I, can, I can serve God and I can, I can make money and I can, yeah, you can do that. But you can't serve them both. I didn't say this, Jesus said it. He says it in verse 24, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And, and, and here's where now verse 25 kicks in the freedom aspect of your finances. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or they don't make their own clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about those things. 
saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I'm not preaching this. This is Jesus. Those financial thoughts dominate the unbeliever. Now you can say amen or oh me, it's still the same. That's what my pastor told me. What will we, these things dominate the, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now listen, I am a big believer in what God orders he pays for. I don't preach this, and there's a few board members in here. I do not preach this because Spirit of Grace Church is in financial trouble. I do not preach this because we need to get the lights on. I do not preach this because I want a bigger paycheck. I preach this because I want you to be free. I preach this because I want you to recognize the partnership that God wants to have with you. Because if you're in partnership with God, he is the resource of all things and the worry goes way, way down. And the free goes way, way up. You see, your money is really not a money issue. Your money is a faith issue. Now, if I went across this congregation, I think just about everybody in here, if I said, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I think just about everybody in here would say, yes, I believe. But if I used the mechanism that Jesus used, it may hurt a little bit more. Because Jesus said, if you're worried about earthly things, if you're worried about food, if you're worried about clothing, if you're worried about your home, and let's just bring it into 2020, if you're worried about your boat, and if you're worried about your car, and if you're worried about your golf clubs, and if you're worried about your club membership, and if you're worried about this, and you're worried about that, that is the thought, those thoughts dominate the unbeliever. Jesus was very bold, and, and he just laid it on the line. If that's what dominates your thoughts, he has labeled you as an unbeliever, whether you think you're a believer or not. Now, I know that's harsh, and I know this message isn't one of those hip, hip, hooray messages. But as a pastor, sometimes you got to preach these kind. Because I know of people that have come to churches and they've come to an altar and the presence of God has just hit home and they have worshiped like crazy and they walk out and on Monday they are all stressed out because they haven't figured out how to make a rent payment or a mortgage payment. This is real. This is the practical side of being a Christian. This doesn't seem real spiritual but he identified it as faith. So your money is a stewardship or a faith situation. It's not a financial situation. Now, there are three dominant economical systems or philosophies in the world today. The first one, which is one within the world that I, I would lean toward, and that is capitalism. 
And the main proponent of capitalism is that I am free to earn what I can earn and it's mine. I can have ownership and my paycheck is mine and I can use it the way I want to use it for my benefit, for my family's benefit. That, that, that's kind of capitalism. I can get what I can get. Okay? <clears throat> the, the second one is socialism slash communism and and the main and i'm not talking on a political i'm talking on an economical uh level economically a socialist or a communist believes that everything should go into the pot and then that should be separated out to everybody else and the the government or the state should uh, handle the finance and the resources for those uh, that are under their purview, if they will. The problem that I have with socialism is not so much that it means that I give to other people. It means that somebody is dictating where my stuff goes. But then there is a third one, and this is the one that I am full in on, and that is Christianity. And the economic system of Christianity is, it's all his anyhow. How does he want me to use it? It's not what I can earn. It's not mine. It's not the individual. That's capitalism. It's not the states. It's not the governments. That's socialism and, and communism. It's, Christ, it's, it's his. It's theocratic, if you will. And everything that he has given to me, he has given to me for a purpose. Now you say, well, I earned that money. Well, why, how did you earn it? You earned it because he's letting you breathe. All things originate with him. And he has invested so much in you his only question is, is how much are you willing to invest in him? And your investment in him will measure your faith. It's the reason why that I have said this, and I don't mean this to be rude or crude, but if you want to know how much of a Christian you are, look at two things in your life. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. Register. Not the blank check, but the register. Where are you spending your time and where are you spending your money? Because the treasure, the Bible says, will let you know where your heart is getting ready to go. If you spend all your time on your hobby, that's where your heart's going. If you spend all your time on spending money on the things that you want, that's where your heart's going to go. The reason why some people fall away from God isn't because they've given up on God. It's because they put treasure in places that God is not pleased in and their heart will always follow. Now, don't walk away from here saying, well, pastor doesn't think I should be able to do this and this and that. No, no, no. I'm talking the principle of your economic situation. If you want to be free, how connected are you to him in your finance? So, I believe there are at least three different ways that God measures our faith when it comes to finance. And some of us understand this better than others. The first one is tithe. The first one is tithe. That is not a gift. You do not give tithes. You return tithe. I know it's a little bit different. There's a, it, you don't give your tithes to God. You return his tithe to him. 
Okay, and, and, and listen, this is what I feel about giving. And if, you haven't, if you're newer here, this, there's a reason why we don't send around an offering plate. How many have ever been to a church where a plate or something has gone across? the? There's a reason why we don't do it. And that is this. It's not my job to collect an offering. It's my job to create an op- offering opportunity for you. And we do that. Right on the back, there's a, there's a box you can place an offering in, in. In the hallway there, you can place it. There's a little cross on the wall for right now. You can put it in there. Online, you can give. But it's not my job to pound somebody over the head. You better give. Now, that's old school. And I'm not saying churches that do that is necessarily wrong. That's just not my style. I believe this. I believe that if I can preach and get somebody in here that says, I want to partner with him, and in partnering with him, I will manifest my faith through money, which is what Jesus is saying here, the offerings are going to be there. God's going to use us to pay for what needs to be paid for. And in the 11 years that we have pastored here, we have paid off $340,000 mortgage in total. Now, for some of you, that doesn't necessarily register. The first six years or seven years, we had an average of 20 giving units. Paid that much off. So like I said, I'm not preaching this because Spirit of Grace needs money. I'm preaching this because somebody needs to be set free from the worry and the pressure. And I'm trying to give you a key and a tool that Jesus has given us in Scripture to release his freedom into your life. The tithe is one of them. In fact, he said it this way. Those that don't pay tithe are robbers of him. If you don't believe me, read Malachi 3. Well, how have we robbed you in your tithe? And here's the reason why. The stuff that God gives us, he gives it to us not just as a gift. He gives it to us as an investment. Read the story, the parable of the, the, the one that he gave five talents, three talents, and one talent to. He was wanting them to invest because he is expecting a return on his investment. So if I had $100 today, and I don't, if I had it in my pocket, and I said, and I said to Jason, Jason, I want to go into business with you. You don't have to worry about coming up with the capital. I will give you $100 to start your business. All I'm expecting is 10% in return on my investment. So when he gives the, gets the $100 and he goes out and he makes $50 in his business, I'm not asking him for $150 back. I'm not even asking him for $50 back. I'm asking him for 10% of what he has earned and that 10% would be five bucks. So now you do the math. If you properly tithe, if God has now given you a hundred dollars, you made $50 and he only expects $5 back. Not too bad of a deal, huh? If you were, if you were a smart businessman, you'd, you'd take that offer. Jason has just walked away with $145. With the return on the investment that he agreed to with God of $5 or 10% of his income. Are you getting the picture? But here's the thing. We wonder why God doesn't continue to bless us financially. And here's the reason why. Because if Jason comes back to me and says, I only made $50, I can't live on $50, so I can't pay my tithe. I'm going to look at him and I'm going to say, 
okay, if that's the way you choose, I'm stepping away from my investment and now you have to live on what you have. But if he gives me the 10%, I am more apt to say, you made $50 on my hundred, here's another hundred. Are you getting the picture? And if I give him another hundred, he now has 245. If he makes $90 off of that next hundred and he gives me 10%, he's now living on $90 of the extra that I've given him. Now he's multiplied. It has come. Are you doing the math? He's now got 200 and, and some odd dollars and God has taken back 14 and has continued to give it to him. I can't explain how that this works. All I know is this. Those, and there are people in this room today that have committed to tithing that at the end of the month, they're surprised because they didn't think the money was going to last, but somehow, some way, God has stretched the finance in order to meet the need because they committed to returning the investment to the Lord. Because it's not a financial thing, it's a spiritual thing. Why would God want to keep investing in somebody that won't return the 10% of investment return? He doesn't. He doesn't do it angrily. He just says, okay, you're basically telling me you don't want to partner with me. So I won't partner with you. It's your choice. Well, pastor, these are things that I've heard over the years. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. I don't make, can I just tell you a secret? If you cannot afford to tithe, you better start tithing. Because you cannot afford not to tithe. Because if you're not tithing, your finance is not going to increase because you have disconnected from the partnership with him on a financial level. I, I know that's, I, I wish I could just magically snap my fingers for you to get it you won't ever get this until you try it I taught this for the first time about 10 years ago here and there's some people in this congregation that weren't doing this that said well the Bible says that we should probably try it and they started trying it and then over and over and over again God has met their need here's the reason why does it mean that God's going to just bless you to where you don't have financial worries no you're still going to have financial struggles but here's the deal. I don't have to worry about it because he's in control. Because the same passage that says, you have robbed me in my tithe, he goes on to say, but if you will start tithing, try me and see that if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Listen, I know some of this is refresher course for some of you, but if you come to me and you ask me to pray for your finances, my first question is probably going to be, are you tithing? And if your answer is no, I will probably look at you very nicely and say, well, I don't need to pray to give you the answer that you're looking for. The answer is to start tithing because you are putting a return on you. How many of you would invest in a 401k that you didn't make any money on? No return, no dividends. No, when we start to invest our money where we want to invest, we are looking for something that will give us a return. God is searching the world who will faithfully return his investment in, in us to him so that he can continue to bless us. So that's the first way, your tithe, which really isn't giving. It is a return on investment. 
I'm returning 10% to you. And now God, if I have a problem, I'm partnered with you. I have met my partner. So in back to the business, all of a sudden, Jason doesn't make $40 that month. He loses $100. And so at the end of the day, in the business partnership, he loses the money because of economic situations, because uh, the, the, the water pipe sprung a leak. Now he has one of two options. He can panic, try to figure it out himself, stress about it, not sleep, not eat, not do things properly, get cranky, get argumentative, get, get you, you understand what some of us do. And, or he can say, call me on the phone and say, listen, we have partnered together. You said if I would partner with you and return the investment, you would have my back. You would provide my need. I'm telling you now, I, and I have been faithful to return the investment. I would be apt as God would be apt to say, okay, what's the bill? for your burst pipe, for your broken down car. What's the bill? And then what I would do is I would step back and I may not give him the money, but I may send him the mechanic. And I may not send a big check in his mail, but I may send him to the right person that can fix the burst water pipe. Does that make sense? And so he has not, he has had the financial freedom not to worry and panic because the person he's invested in has his back. And if you and I would financially partner in the, with the investment that God has placed in us, well, pastor, does that mean that I have to tithe my net or my gross? What did you make? Did you make a gross or did you make a net? I pay it on my gross. Well, then do I pay it when I get my tax refund? No, because I've already paid my tithe on that because I covered that when the first time I made it. So I'm partnered with him. The second way is through our offerings. Offerings come in two ways. One, there is an offering of honor and two, there is an offering of planting or seed. And it comes in two different ways. Do I honor his body enough to faithfully give above and beyond my 10%? Do I honor his body in this world is only expressed through the local church. We are the body of Christ, the Bible says. And so do you honor the body enough to give extra? Well, how much should I give? I don't know. How much do you want to give? How much do you want to honor? How much can you honor at that moment in time? See, here's the thing. This is, this is where, that, that's why I said the first one's not a gift. It's a return. This is a gift. This, God loves a cheerful giver. A hilarious giver is what that really means. Somebody that it doesn't make sense sometimes. And God, and, and, and there's two ways of doing this. There is a fixed giving, and then there is when God lays something on your heart, be really willing to give it. We taught it this way for years in this church, and we haven't taught it this way in a long time. But if you've never given above and beyond tithe, first of all, if you've never returned your tithe, start doing that. But then on top of that, if you've never been a giver in honor to the body, here's what our suggestion is. 
our suggestion is you start with honoring God by your first hour of work per week. So if you make $10 an hour, make $10 your gift. Dedicate that one hour of work per week to the body and see what God will do for you. That's honoring the body. For some, it's whatever God lays on your heart, whatever you want to do, everybody's different. Offering is not something that can be mandated. I can stand up here and say the return is 10% because in scripture it's 10%. But the offering is whatever God lays on your heart and whatever you want to do to honor the body. Okay? So when you, when you want to give $20, give $20. When you want to give $100, give $100. When you want to give 10 cents. There's times that I've walked in and I just had loose change in my pocket and it's gone in the box. It just, whatever. But God honors you when you give out of honoring the body. Well, pastor, I give to this and this and this and this and this and this and this. All that's wonderful and well. But here's my question. How does that fulfill the scripture that says where my treasure is, that's where my heart's going to be? I've heard it from a lot of people and I agree with you 100%. I love Spirit of Grace Church. It feels so welcoming. It feels so wonderful. The presence of God is moving. Can I just tell you that if your heart is starting to head this way, your finance has to lead it. Because your heart will go where your finance is. How does this prove out? I'll tell you how it proves out. When something that this body is scheduled to do and that thing that you're giving money to is scheduled to do, which one wins? Well, I give it to this. My heart is over here. That's not, again, that's not me. That's Jesus. Don't get mad at me. Jesus is saying, where your money is, where your treasures are, where you place them, your heart is going to eventually follow. It's the reason why Jesus said it this way. It's hard for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of heaven. Why is it, the, is it the riches? No, it's because a rich man uses his finance and that's where his heart goes. That's why it's hard to get into the kingdom. Now, you can be rich and make it easy to get into the kingdom of heaven if your priorities are right. God doesn't necessarily want you to be a pauper. He doesn't want you to be broke. And he, he will meet your needs if you're willing to connect and partner with him. The last one of offering is a seed offering. The Bible says it this way. We all plant, we all water, but God gives the increase. And I know that that's partially talking about souls. That's partially talking about sharing the word. But the scripture also has the application that what you sow, you're going to reap. Those are financial terms. Those are agricultural terms. Those are are mechanisms. What you plant, you're going to reap. Part of the reason we don't reap is because we don't sow. Now listen, you can't sow in ground that is already ready or tilled, or seeded. So your seed offerings can't come into the church house as the body of Christ 
Your, your seed has to be planted in a different field. It has to be planted in an uncultured area. It has to be put into a place that hasn't already come to fruition yet. That's why there's honor and there's seed. The honor is for the body. The seed is for the people that haven't come into the body yet. It's for the areas of the ground that haven't been turned over and haven't been, haven't been cultured yet. And, and, and I'll tell you how that happens at this assembly. Next Sunday is our Acts Commitment Sunday. We've been announcing it for several weeks, acting corporately to serve. There are five different things that we're going to be supporting in the next year. And in those, not one of them, not one of them has to do with this body. It's, we are the funnel to get that money into a field that has not yet been processed. We have our tithe return. We have our honor giving, which is to honor this body. We use that to supply all of the things that we do, the food that we prepare, the lights, all that kind of stuff comes out of those two. But then we have our seed offering and our seed offering goes into those areas that are not yet reached for the kingdom of God in Coon Rapids. And so we send 40% of what comes in in our seed offering goes to my cop Russia. And it's not just my cop anymore. It's my cop and Belarus. They've expanded because of our seeds. And we're going to share more about that next week. We're getting ready for the first time this year. We are taking on lost sheep ministries of Minnesota as one of our seed ministries. 20% of what comes in is going to be planted wherever Dave plants them. And we've got money that's going to be coming in for our school district. Those that aren't able to feed themselves, we're going, and every time that they receive a meal at one of our schools that we support, that family gets notification that Spirit of Grace Church has blessed their child with that meal. Seed planted in a heart that's not a part of this church. Randy is down at the orphanage right now in Mexico. 20% of what comes in goes right to the orphanage. Seeds that are planted where the body of Christ in Coon Rapids does not operate. What are you saying, pastor? Here's what I'm saying. It is so exciting when God gives you a scriptural revel revelation of what he's doing. It's so exciting to stand in an altar watching somebody with tears running down their cheeks as they break forth in a new kind of worship, as they break forth in the gift of the Holy Ghost, as they break forth in a new realization that God loves them. I love being able to gather together on a Wednesday like we did with our men this past Wednesday and have discussion where revelation takes place and, and God challenges us to be 24-7 Christians and not two-day-a-week Christians and, and we're able to challenge one another and support one another and pray for one Those are all exciting but can I just tell you one of the things that will 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 raise the roof if you will in this church is when people get financially attached 
and connected to the principles that God has because Jesus said that will be your measure of faith. And when your measure of faith rises, where faith is, anything can happen because faith is what unlocks the blessing of the Lord because without faith, it is impossible to please him. But with faith, it pleases him. And when God gets pleased, watch out. Watch out. Now I close with this. I know that there are preachers and there are ministries out there that preach if you give, he'll give that money back to you and it's running over and it's, it's, you're going to make a lot. This is not a get rich scheme. If it was a get rich scheme, we would be filthy wealthy. I don't say this to boast, but I want to just, I say this very humbly, but to give you an idea of the connectedness that my wife and I have chosen. I just did our taxes yesterday. Hooray, hooray, hooray. (laughs) But I looked and I did the math. And in 2019, my wife and I were blessed to give in one of those areas, whether it be the return on the investment whether it be seed offering, whether it be honor offering, about 26.3% of our income. I don't say that to pat myself on the back because I wish we would actually give more. But here's why I say that. There has not been one day where I have missed a meal that I didn't choose to miss the meal because I was fasting. We have not been late on one mortgage payment. We've not been laid on one car payment. The boys had braces. That one. He's getting them next. What am I saying? Am I saying that we're filthy rich? No. But every one of our needs have been met. And I can only account it to the fact that I am an invested partner with the one that owns it all. And we made a commitment to return our investment to him and to continue to give. We still give to Acts. We still give to his hour, I think, or, or at least we give honor as honor to the, to the body. Because every step of the way, we have learned in the years of ministry that if I am connected to him, everything else works out. Am I against having hobbies and against having, you know, boats and and RVs and all that? Not if you let me use them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not against them at all. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I am saying is, where do those fall in the line of your financial stewardship? Because where your treasure is there will your heart be also. I invite you to stand. If I had my way, I'd be able to afford to golf every weekend. I love golfing. I haven't done it nearly enough. I love to golf. I enjoy it. But can I tell you, I would do it every weekend as long as my 
financial connection to God is in place. But if I ever went golfing before I gave to God, I would be getting my, my heart would be in the wrong spot. Well, pastor, how can I trust that the money's gonna be spent? You can't. You can't trust that it's gonna be spent the way you want to spend it. When you give, you give as unto God and let God deal with the person that handles the money. Now, I will put up our financial way of operation in this church to any church and, and it's done well, it's done right, it's done proper, it's spent well, it's done, everything is done good. It's not abused. But you can't give expecting to get something back because then it's not a gift. That's why your tithe is a return. I expect, based on God's word, not my word, that if I give my return to him, he'll return it to me. If you read, he always comes through. Now, I know this has been a different kind of service, a different kind of message. But if you can walk away from this and grab this principle and say, Pastor, I only made $10 this week. Give a dollar in tithe to God. And see how he spreads it out. Jesus, you're speaking to somebody here today. You're drawing them into a greater relationship with you. You're drawing them into a partnership with you. And God, I'm asking you now to speak to the core of who they are. And let them understand that our time and our resources, where we spend them, will dictate where our heart goes. And help us to see that the best thing we can do is to place our time and our treasure in you so that our heart can chase after you. Here's what I want us to do as they begin to sing. The entire church is our altar today. But with every eye still closed, would you, if you're wanting, God, I commit to connect with you and partner with you. Would you just raise your hands all across this congregation and say, God, here I am. I'm connecting to you. I'm going to return my tithe. I want to become a giver.